0: everyone welcome to televisions the podcast an audio companion to the televisions website and a show made by anglophiles for anglophiles i am lacey barger milas and i'm the editor here at this rodeo and joining me as per usual is my not as mafia as it sounds associate editor miss Annie bundle hello it truly does like it's very like we're going to the mattresses but it's fine
1: how are you today um.
0: Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation because I've I suspect that everyone involved in it will have a lot of feelings. Uh, my boss Nick Scalera is here with us today to officially enter the discourse <laughs> on Ted Lasso. I I love the discourse. Oh, Ted Lasso season two. Care for it. It's going to be a long conversation. Hi, Nick.
2: Hi. Glad to be back.
1: How are you today?
2: Oh, I'm I'm doing quite well. I'm- psych to talk about to sort of tie a bow around this season two of ted lasso we had a conversation a few months back and wow uh, did we, sweet summer children did we imagine where it would all end up
0: <laughs> um who had nate's a super villain on their bingo card
1: <laughs> i i i have to say like um the actor who plays nate um
0: he's honestly like he seems like the sweetest nicest person yeah. and i feel like every other day he's like please don't hate me i'm just playing a character on television yeah nick muhammad
1: <laughs> basically put out like statements after the finale in which he basically like not only did he like please say please don't hate me i'm just playing a character but he also like spelled out like the arc of how date got to this point and you know I had sort of half followed this. I sort of saw where it was going. Um can we talk about the hair? Um like <laughs> Um I also
0: although I will say I I also saw that tweet and I feel like if you have to have a bulleted that. list in your notes app that uh, if if you have to explain the season with a bulleted notes app list like the season didn't do what it needed to do.
1: Yeah, if if that was literally the thing that I was going to say is that if you have to put out an explanation to the viewers of how we got here, that means that you failed in your storytelling. I mean, I I don't I, I'm I'm not mad. I'm just a little disappointed. That being yeah. said, I I do accept Nate as a supervillain. I know that there are people who do not.
0: I totally feel like I kind of I I buy it as where we ended up i don't know that i buy the journey to get there okay because to me it's sort of like feels like it skipped a step between he's like really mad at his dad and suddenly like ted is satan i don't know it's just just a lot a lot happening how, how do you feel about this nick
2: um i i mean it was telegraphed and and well the, like yeah to get to your point earlier I'm, I sort of went back to season one looking for clues as well, right? So were there clues in season one? Did these writers actually have this I, this arc for Nate in mind in season one? Because that was my first question, because Ted Lasso got a season one. That was a miracle enough, right? I don't think anyone assumed season two was coming at all when season one was written. But there are things in season one that start to tip off that Nate's got some issues. And one of the things I remember specifically is... Um, I don't remember the context, but at one point he writes this thing about all the players and it ends up being like these criticisms of all the players.
0: Oh, the roast that the roast that he does of them. The
2: roast. Right. And Ted allows him to, and it's really, he's really enjoying like saying some pretty nasty things about the players. So that was a, you know, that was a clue that there is a little bit of an edge to Nate. He had some issues. um, And, but yeah, how we got from there to the finale of season two big question marks all along the way for sure
0: yeah i i mean just we all <laughs> okay maybe not we all but everyone i know a lot of us have crappy dads like <laughs> i mean i don't know like i get i get that nate is damaged i get that nate has a lot of issues and probably should spend some time with dr sharon
1: <laughs> but i mean
2: JB tart uh, also
1: has a crappy dad let's put that and he's not going around ripping down the believe sign Oh, my gosh. Betrayal. I was not
0: well. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, there are different ways to deal with having a crappy dad. And some of them involve hugging Roy Kent and some of them involve ripping down everybody's beloved belief sign. So, you know, I
0: think the thing I think the thing is for me that it doesn't maybe I just don't necessarily like the, the switch from he has a bad dad to Ted is basically his bad dad. Doesn't really like I don't I think I missed where that happened. Like, so Ted's not paying attention to you like 24 7? Okay. Like I don't know. I did think it was interesting in that long list of stuff that Nick Muhammad uh explained to everyone after the season. They actually do tell you and and I think that this is a this I was a little bit shocked to see that Nate and Ted do not share a scene together from like the penultimate episode of season 1 all the way through to the season 2 finale and that was shocking to me. I don't think that that justifies Nate's actions. Like he is a I think the gut of it is, is like for me is like he is a grown man. Like you're a grown man. This is not this is not like
1: acceptable grown man behavior. I'm sorry. I think the fact that they don't share a scene together at all in season two actually might be part of the problem. I think if we had had one, that there might have been more space to, I don't know, do something to help build. I mean, I get why the choice was was to make them not so that Nate has sort of a reason to feel you know shafted but at the same yeah, time like he's
0: been left out in some way yeah
1: but at the same time I I think that there there's also a there's a lack of being able to show by doing that by making that choice and I think that might be part of the problem that being said there's a lot of things that people complained about this season that <laughs> I actually disagree with like this is the one thing oh, yeah. that like everybody sort of complained about where I am actually like yes yes I'm with you you know, like I I yes, I get it.
0: I feel like I'm with the discourse on this but like from a different angle. I feel like a lot of people are like, "Oh, Nate's behavior is totally justified." And I'm like, "No, it's really
2: not." Um I mean, I read a bunch you... of like pieces about not not so much does it make sense that Nate turned out this way, but should a show have a super villain and is it cool that he's a super villain? Right. And so, yeah. you know, that's sort of that's just kind of a bit meta for me. It's like if you're not believing it as you're watching the the show, then then trying to justify it as sort of like a good plot vehicle for any sort of show didn't make sense to me. And I'll, but I mean, I guess
1: I mean, Rebecca kind of was a supervillain in season one, but not yeah. really, <laughs> I do think I do think part of the
0: problem is, well, I don't even know if it's really a problem, but I think. I think this makes sense from sort of a like 50,000 foot view because clearly the team needs something to push back again next. uh, uh, I can talk. The team needs, like, if not a quote unquote villain, like an antagonist of some type for next season. Like, and the show has spent all of its season one antagonists have been rehabilitated at this yeah.
1: point. Yeah. Jamie's been rehabilitated. Uh, Rebecca's been rehabilitated. Boy. Higgins. All of them. Like there really are no bad guys anymore. Um, except now for Nate. And it I, I think that's Rupert. A- I I mean, well, no, Rupert is Rupert's still awful, but like you know, Rebecca had kind of you know at the funeral she kind of vanquished him, and he's gone now. Um, so yeah, like I get that we sort of need like an antagonist. I mean, except he bought West Ham. It's true. I feel bad for West Ham.
2: We need to talk about that if we do our soccer chat at the end. I got I have thoughts on that. Sorry
0: that. <laughs> Sorry, everybody who's a West Ham fan, because the world's gonna hate your team now.
1: Um, but through no fault of your own, it's true. Um, but having like basically they they got by rehabilitating all of the old antagonists, having Nate suddenly turn antagonist almost feels like crap. We need somebody. Um, I don't know. Grab the kick. Grab the kit manager, right? right. Like,
2: <laughs> although I still think though that, and this is a lot of people have gone back and forth on this too, like when you're doing a sports show, okay, is Ted Lasso a sports show? This is a question. We've gone back and forth on it. I would say, yes, it is because it is about a soccer team, right? Um, Sports shows naturally create villains week to week. And, you know, if you think of something like I was,
0: yeah, uh, please talk a little bit more about that.
2: Right. Well, I think, you know, one show that I thought about a bit, another sports show that wasn't totally about sports but did a much better job of it, Friday Night Lights. Right? You sort of oh, right. I love Friday so Night you go Lights. through that. You don't have to be a huge. My my wife does not like American football. We watched the show. We both loved it. Um, because there's enough Texas forever, right? There's enough of the sport and you do know enough of the plot lines and you know enough about the situation of the team to actually care what happens in the games, even if it's only five minutes and there is an enemy every week, every Friday, there's a new enemy. And, um, you know, by just essentially this season and season two, they just absolutely just detached the whole sports angle to this. You see. In the first episode, you see they, they have a, a run of ties, like six ties in a row. Then they don't refer to football for like the next seven episodes. Then suddenly, guess what? If we win, we get promoted. Um, it, You know, so you lose, you lost all of those sort of natural enemies. So, yeah, you need to create one from within. And I guess Nate Nate was the one that was up for that. But I just don't feel like it was absolutely necessary.
0: I actually really bought it in the beginning when he when he made that really good call during whatever game it was. And he suddenly started believing his own hype because he was like reading Twitter. Yes. Um, Don't read Twitter. (laughs) Like
1: that was a good that was a good that was a good like foreshadowing of this. I will agree there. But we needed more of that.
0: I I mean, I think it's a foreshadowing of something. I don't know if I think it's a foreshadowing of exactly where it went. I thought that was just a really interesting sort of twist on like when you spend most of your life getting punched down at. Like, right. what do you, Like what does it feel like when you're suddenly on, when suddenly, like, the spigot of adoration is sort of open and you're getting all of the validation and affirmation you've always wanted, even if it's from, like, strangers with eight digits in their username. Like, and I thought that was really interesting. I just don't know how we got from that to he's going to go be a head coach for a different team right. and rip the believe sign and... All the other stuff. I
2: do kind of feel like that story that that is told about the sort of you know let's let's say the nerdy character or, or a character that usually when a character is bullied, right, and and he is bullied by the team members, they sort of laugh at him and 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 everything else they laugh at Nate. He's bullied. Um, when you sort of gain some power, your target of of. Of your angst are the people who bullied you, not the people who help you. Generally, <laughs> I know
0: that's so. It that's so weird to that's, me that he continued, like he punches down at Colin and he punches down at the new kit manager. He doesn't treat Jamie or Roy the way that he treats them. No,
2: because right. he still
1: respects them because he still wants them to like him.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird on so many levels. Um, you know, I, I remember it reminded me of story. You know. Personal anecdote. I knew this kid in middle school who got bullied a lot. And uh, uh, over summer, he came back and learned Kung Fu. That shows you how old I am. Kung Fu is a thing. (laughs) And suddenly everyone, including the bullies, were extremely afraid of this guy. And he got pretty mean for a while. But then because he was in middle school, he grew out of it after a few months. And he was a normal person, sort of just one that knew Kung Fu and didn't get bullied anymore. But Nate, again, to your point, Lacey, like he's an adult, like you know, he is so. He's wounded. clearly a
1: very old adult out of nowhere. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Can we can we please talk about the whole gray hair thing? Because it's yeah. not. Ju- he's not just Nate. It's not just Nate slowly turning salt and pepper, and then suddenly being like evil gray haired Nate. It's also, if you notice, Trent Crim. Trent Crim has a whole lot more gray in his hair at the beginning of season two than he does when he finally leaves the independent and becomes a good um, person. I- I need to
0: know Trent Krim. I, I need to know Trent Crim now, Independence, um, like conditioning regime. <laughs> because his hair looks great. His hair
1: does look great. But it struck me, especially because I was, because Nate's hair went, you know, blazingly like white on me that I was like I started like sort of looking around at the other hair and I suddenly realized that Trent Krim's hair was much darker than it was and I literally went back and looked at the beginning of the season and yes it actually is they it, it, this is an actual like trope that the show is doing that evil people have like gray hair and I, I don't quite understand it
2: <laughs> I, I don't what? yeah I, the, don't, I mean Tim, there is a sort of soccer reference here so Nick okay. Muhammad comes out later And said in his in the aforementioned 14 point, you know, uh, list of all the reasons why he turned evil, he mentions he talks specifically about the hair coloring and he references Jose Mourinho, who is a a soccer coach who coached Chelsea. He um, is now coaching Roma. He is sort of a villain coach in the Premier League. He treats he he gets. Is in, he
0: like really a villain, or is this like WWE? It's
2: violence? WWE. He's a cartoon <laughs> villain. He he beats up on journalists. He criticizes I just his players.
0: All of heels the other day, and exactly. heels is a great show. So, exactly. so I
2: don't know if that was a reference. I, I think that was a reference. He did mention that. Just sort of like you know, his hair turned white, and he's sort of a negative character. He gets into into rows with other coaches and referees, and he's not a player. So coach. does
1: this mean if he becomes a good person by the end of season three he'll discover just for Angel. I have questions.
2: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Essentially yes.
0: Um. Alright let's talk about something besides Nate. Since we're on the subject of Trent Cribb who no longer works for the (laughs) Independent. It, there's like literally no way he doesn't get Keely's job oh right? no
1: absolutely that is totally what he's going to do I mean they have moved key okay first of all Keely getting promoted into her own PR firm can I just I, I my love of this is like forever and ever but it also does conveniently leave a PR space <laughs> open for a former journalist who needs to make ends meet and we and as Lacey and I both know that's basically what happens to our brethren when they need to make ends meet
2: right and not to read yeah. too deeply into symbolism but I've been doing that a lot lately Like, he tries to leave the ground in the final scene, but his keys are locked in the car, so he can't actually leave Richmond's ground, because (laughs) that's where he's going to stay and make his life.
1: Yes. And he enjoys his
2: chats. He also said, I really enjoy my chats with you, Ted Lasso, and I want that to continue, so... You guys are absolutely right. That's definitely going to happen.
1: Yeah, Trent Crim, now independent of the independent, will become dependent on uh, <laughs> Richmond. Right. And the, okay, and 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 I'm sorry I said that. Please don't fire me for the really terrible pun.
0: Um, it's pretty bad.
1: Okay, so actually, can we also, since we are talking about things that are controversial about this season, I think we also need to discuss the two extra episodes. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know how much our listeners are aware of how shows kind of sausage gets made, but in, in this case, uh, Apple TV plus has a tendency to, uh, green light season two before season one even premieres. And that's what happened. That, that's what happened with the morning show. That's what happened with C that's what happened with Dickinson, et cetera. Um, in fact, Dickinson, it happened every single time. Season three was greenlit before season two arrived in the same way. Um, Ted Lasso season two was greenlit before season one even debuted and everyone assumed that it was going to be exactly the same thing as it was season one. So three episodes that debuted at once at the beginning and then one per week to the end and then it would sit as a binge and 10 episodes altogether. Um except that the show then became a gigantic hit. Um, Apple TV plus only signs people for the first two seasons when it signs people. So signing people for season three was going to be difficult. So they greenlit season. Our faves th- got paid. Oh my God, they get paid. <laughs> but season three was literally greenlit like in October of 2020. Like they were like, we are going to need all the time to get all these contracts in order to get all these people to come back. Um, and, as part of a goodwill effort they sort of said well we'll also up your episode count for season two to 12 and we'll make it so only the first couple episodes are dropped at once and then it's going to be weekly and then but by the time we got to the actual show debuting it became once a week period all the way through for 12 episodes which um i i don't know if uh if this was true for Lacey, but I actually, when I first got my screeners, episode two still said it aired the same day as episode one. Oh and yeah. There the...
0: was, there was some confusion about that at the time.
1: Yeah. Because they had, because they made, they made that change to go weekly one, one episode a week all the way through so late that the screeners were already labeled the other way. And actually my photos never actually got fixed. All My photos have always been like two weeks behind. It's really weird. Anyway. Um, Uh, the point is, is that so these guys had already written the whole season. They were already filming when this happened. And as Nick pointed out in our last episode, they film in order. So suddenly they have to add two episodes and like they could have done like, say, like the Babysitter's Club where like basically you have like, you know, you know, adventure of the week. And then at the end, there's a two episode like adventure that sort of tacked on at the end. But that didn't work for Ted Lasso. Instead, what they decided to do was do two extra episodes that they then sort of inserted in the middle of the narrative and those two episodes are the christmas episode and beard after hours which were the two episodes that twitter absolutely (laughs) hated
0: um i feel like i saw a lot more hatred for the beard episode than i did for the christmas episode um I loved the Christmas episode and could take or leave the beard episode, except for the song at the end, because I love that song that they used. And it reminded me of this nightclub I used to go when I was younger in New York that used to be in a church. Okay,
1: so both of these episodes are very conceptual episodes, which I find really interesting. And honestly, the Christmas episode for me is the moment where like when people say to me, Ted Lasso is not a British show. No, 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 no. This show is so British that it thought it would be really, really funny to do a traditional Christmas episode in August.
2: Exactly. I
0: loved the Christmas episode. I felt, to me, it just felt like the spirit of that Christmas episode is so much like in tune with what Ted Lasso is. Oh, absolutely. Like, but I, just so, I, I had so an good. entire
1: Discord full of people telling me how terrible it was, and I was just like, "Man, y'all have I'm never sorry, seen." When a... Owen
0: takes Phoebe around to the neighbors in the hopes that they can find a dentist, I was dying. It's great.
2: It had so many great references, and it used like all the best Christmas music you've ever heard. I mean, it was it. It's a great holiday episode. Although, the I...
0: Love Actually. This is because this is because these are the same people who hate Love Actually because they are monsters. Right. <laughs> um, I watch Love Actually every year on Christmas Eve while we were at presents. Eight is a lot of legs, David. (laughs) Um, But the yeah, I mean, this just sometimes it's okay to just have joy.
2: There's an it's a wonderful life reference, you know, it's all that stuff. But you know, here's here's my question for both of you. I think, do you think the reaction was so insanely negative because of the you know the way most so you know just to review. it did drop i guess season 1 was 3 episodes in one night and then it was a weekly drop but because it had correct. a slow build of popularity the vast majority of the population myself included binged the whole thing
0: correct right yeah. and then i think that has a lot to do with right. it
2: right and so when you get to a christmas episode you're sort of you're waiting week to week and i myself was i watched it week to week i didn't have screeners or anything I was impatient. I was like, I want to see the next episode. And so when you suddenly land on Christmas in August, a lot of the audience is like, you're wasting a whole week. Now I have two weeks before I have to get back yeah, to the actual storyline.
1: The, the one, the one thing that is very noticeable about these two kind of conceptual episodes, the plot does not move because yeah. they were inserted late. And I, Personally, the the thing that got me about the complaints that I saw was people calling it schmaltzy. And and they were this is why I said, no, no, no. Y'all are people who do not watch like British Christmas specials on a regular basis, because if you did, you'd know that that's this is that is exactly what they are. Um. I actually, I liked the Christmas episode much more than I did Beard After Hours. I think Beard After Hours, you really had to know the After Hours movie to understand a lot of it. And if you didn't have that reference, this episode was never going to land for you.
0: I was very much like, eh, with that episode. I thought it was fine. I thought it was nice to see Beard get something to do. I feel like, for those of you who are listening in the D.C. area, I feel like the refusal to tell us his name is a bit like Teddy not getting to win the president's race <laughs> that, like, first few seasons. Right. It's just like now it's become a thing. Um, I do love that uh, that uh, the actor who plays Coach Beard, Brendan, Brendan Hunt, yes. I think yes. is his name. Uh, wore those sparkly pants to the Emmys after party. I thought that and was that brilliant. That me love him forever.
2: Well, I okay. I'm going to go to cricket bat for this for the beard episode. I I, <laughs> I I liked the beard episode quite a bit. I, you know, I I'm sort of seeing Ted Lasso. I know it started as sort of a sitcom, but it's feeling more like you know sort of a, a prestige drama now. And ev- and those shows often have like standalone set piece episodes that like. Don't move the plot line along, but they are just sort of a mini work of art in and of themselves. I I don't think the beard quite, you know, achieves that level. It's you not know, The Fly? It, no, it's not. You know, it's not like the episode of The Sopranos where they're out, you know, the Russians are tormenting them out in the woods and, you know, and it's like very... The, the
1: Breaking Bad episode about The Fly is the one that always yes, comes to mind yes. when, when people talk about this. Exactly. Though there are, there's also a Mad Men episode in the same sort of way. Like, yeah, this this was very much a staple of the early prestige TV shows. Right,
2: right. And I mean, I kind of like the fact that the writers had this opportunity. They said, let's, let's swing for the fences and try to pull one of these off. Now, whether they actually pulled it off i think you're right like i've i'm old enough to have seen after hours in the theater and i did remember that movie i don't remember details but you i remember the general vibe of it so it made sense to me in that regard there's a lot of references and there's like you know there are like breadcrumbs for old white men (laughs) in there and so you know for example when he um uh, you know when he's playing the fake professor and he gives his name he says declan mcmanus or something like that. And that's actually Elvis Costello's real name. And I was like, oh, Elvis Costello got mentioned in Ted Lasso. That's so cool. That was just for me. But I'm like, okay, so that, <laughs> that is not really going to have universal appeal. Um But yeah, I did. I did not. Yeah. That. It's not going to be universal, universal appeal, but it,
0: I, I do think like this episode to Annie's point a second ago, the, the beard episode particularly feels like a pump, the brakes, everything else stops. And it's very jarring because, like, there had been so much stuff happening in the episode immediately prior.
2: Right. Yeah. It it lands right. Yeah. Right. Right. In the sort of in very points of high tension of moving the storyline along. Um, You know, it does have I do sort of enjoy those things that are kind of like, you know, Kafka esque like, am I just going to make it home kind of things? And and, and weird things happen. And I, I enjoyed oh, it. I hate the metamorphosis. Um, I like the trial better than the metamorphosis, but another another topic entirely. But um, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the references. I enjoyed seeing a little bit more of Beard because we actually just really haven't seen much of him. I guess we got a little bit of character development on him. I'm not even sure it, it actually moved that along.
1: I mean, I mean, let's can we just kind of talk about the weird relationship that's sort of not actually ever on screen. <sighs>
0: Right. Like yes. I
1: like uh, that is so oh,
0: Jane, Yeah, Jane. like
1: uh, I have I have so many questions about Jane. Like I really want I really want Coach Beard to like write into Dear Prudence about Jane. Um so that like all of my advice column like my friends can like like break down his relationship. I have so many questions. I don't know. <laughs>
0: I, mean, I like her taste in nightclubs. Like I said, a million years ago, there used to be a club in New York that was in an old church, and it really felt like that place. Right,
2: yeah. The clubbing aspect was very cool. and But, you know, again, to, to, to your point, Annie, about this relationship or whatever it is, we have this whole 45-minute, you know, standalone episode that's ostensibly about their relationship, sort of. And the, and then in the final episode, the only reference we get to this is he gets a text from her and he's like, oh, we broke up. And then he gets another text. Oh, we're back together. That was it. That was the whole thing. All of that, just for this sort of, you know, two minute payoff in a discussion in a bar with Ted, we don't really learn a lot, but yeah, I give him credit for attempting it. I can see why it was not popular. I enjoyed parts of it. Um, but you know, it's the, it's, it's something I've been thinking about a lot. It's sort of like, um, have you all heard, you know, the difficult second album syndrome? It's
0: yes. Okay,
2: so it's a sort of a musicians or music critics term, right?
0: I've heard that more. I've heard that more about people trying to write their second novel.
2: It's a, it's similar thing. So so in the sense that, like, when you're you know a a young band is coming up and they put out their first album, it's like their lifetime they've worked on those twelve songs, and then oh, yeah. suddenly they've got twelve months to put out another album and then there's a scramble and it's usually not as good. And I think there's a little bit of that here. They, they sort of, they had to expand the scope. Um, they had to, it sprawls more. It's not as tight and this is you know these these episodes just really hammer that down i think even if you pull those two episodes out the season is still it's a lot longer there's mm-hmm. it the story isn't as, isn't as tightly you know wound
1: the episodes themselves actually get longer as we go along like right. i was starting mm-hmm. to wonder if like the, the
0: finale is almost an hour Right?
1: like i was I, I i was like damn this is yeah
0: um i i would say it actually evolves more into an ensemble piece mm-hmm. than it is in the first season because you get main sort of Arcs for a, at least five other people, and,
1: and I would actually like to like move on to that, like Rebecca and Sam, and of course our our, our romance of the show. I need to talk about Roy <laughs> Keeling. Okay, okay, okay. Them. But my my massive apologies to our sound editor for the next section as I talk about Roy. F- kent because his name (laughs) to me is roy kent like if i if i were gonna have
0: to bleep a lot if
1: i were if i were to bring him home to my parents i would literally say please meet my boyfriend roy kent i mean that is his name and honestly like he and keely are just i love them so so much and i am so so afraid of what's gonna happen in season three i am not and here's why
0: um Although that sort of six month gap thing at the finale feels a little bit ominous, it, it really but... reminded
1: me of the whole thing with with Ted and 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 his wife, and the it's only going to be. It felt like an echo of that. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I also feel like this show is so aware of the things that it's. I've, I've written about this in multiple places. If people want more th- of my thoughts on Ro and Keeley, but I think the show is so really aware of like what we as an audience expect from these sorts of stories that um because like the whole season we're all like we're all waiting for them to break up because we've been taught I think it was Tolstoy maybe someone Russian said something about like happy people aren't interesting which is total (laughs) bullcrap because that just means you're a lazy storyteller and I think because we have all been conditioned as viewers to start the clock Instantly, as soon as a couple we love gets together to them inevitably breaking up, we're all reading everything that happens between Roy and Keeley in the worst possible light. Because I feel like if you take a step back and look at their arc this season, like every episode, every like problem that gets introduced, like it just shows you them getting stronger and them communicating and them growing and maturing. And I think it's just really doing a lot of great stuff with subverting the kind of thing we expect
1: from the thing the thing about roy and keely to me is that they are both people who have never been in healthy relationships Hmm. i mean look at their growth <laughs> look at their growth they talk about things now yeah like and 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 that's it's why i only want good things for them like i'm not gonna lie i want roy Kent and Keely to like get married at the end of season three. Like I want the, I want the wedding episode. Like you, you, you have to give that to me people. Um, I, I don't know if I'll get it, but I, I really want it.
0: I can't decide if I'm really excited for, or really afraid of Keely's dress. Oh,
1: I'm excited. <laughs> I, I want Keely to have like three dresses and I want her and Rebecca to go shopping so we can see her in 10 more. Like that's what I want. Um, speaking. Uh, uh yeah. So ha- Nick, uh, as the non, <laughs> uh, as the, as the non romance person in in this conversation. <laughs> oh, hang
2: on, hang on a second. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, no, you, you you're probably right. Um, I will say that my my sense about this relationship is that, you know, that they did work so much out amongst themselves that they did sort of swat away all of the internal conflict, you know, episode after episode. But unfortunately, the world is there. And the world, it feels to me like where they're going with this is that the world isn't going to let them be happy because the world is a terrible place and people will offer you jobs and things will happen and you can only be a bulwark so much against the rest of the world. That's where I think it's going. I could be wrong, but that's what it felt like to me, especially with the job offer and the sort of just it felt like towards the end there were internal issues and towards the end there were sort of external things that were starting to bust into their into their happiness. And will they be able to handle it or not? I think we'll we'll find out.
1: Um, how do you feel about Sam and Rebecca?
2: Oh boy. I did not even want to go there to say <laughs> <laughs> it it was um I was remembering when we when we did the, the episode at the beginning of the season, we all talked about what characters we wanted to see developed more. And I said, I'd really like to he- see more about Sam. And boy, did, did I get the <laughs> answer to my prayers on that one? I mean, we got a ton of storyline around Sam, um, you know, with the whole sort of like social protest against the Dubai, Dubai Airlines, you know, sponsorship. I wish
1: they'd done more
0: with
2: that, which I
1: assume is a stand in for Emirates Airlines, because sure,
2: is- definitely is. Um, you know, so you have that, and then you have the, obviously the, uh, the, the billionaire who comes and tries to woo him away. And then you have the, um, the relationship that starts up on the platform called banter (laughs) with Rebecca, which we, you know, they, I think the writers had fun with that sort of deflecting or, or sort of having us wonder where this was going. Um, as far as the relationship itself itself. I, I don't know what to make of it, to be to be quite frank with you. I mean, all your sort of like training says that all the all the sort of social conventions are like that this is a wrong thing, but it doesn't necessarily feel wrong the way the actor is sort of, you know, and, and the way Sam becomes moves from being this kind of um, you know, happy kid who's just happy to be on the team to this sort of like really strong character with this sort of like inner peace and confidence that just isn't there at the beginning. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not quite sure. I understand why people are upset by it. Um, I understand why it, it's confusing to people, but I wasn't expecting it. So that's that's always good. You know that when a show throws you something like that, that's that's there's nothing wrong with that either.
1: I mean, yes, there is the issue that the owner is 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 shagging the you know her team's right winger, which is kind of you know. I mean, there's
0: some power dynamics here that are not great. Yeah, but and,
1: and I am I am sort of glad that Rebecca sort of like you know I really love this. This is a lot of fun. Oh my god, I want to do you in bed every night. But also, I have a lot of issues that I haven't worked through yet, so I gotta go. Like, I do actually think that that is probably the the thing about the relationship that I love the most is that Rebecca. Is is mature enough and recognizes that she needs to take a step back.
2: That's that's yeah, I I agree with that. I'm curious of on both your opinions though about Rebecca's arc in this season too because I read Do they some
1: actually like look for reasons to get Hannah Waddington to sing. I have questions.
2: Well, sure. I mean, why wouldn't um, you she? She sings
1: could? great. Leave her. Yeah, alone. if you
2: could get if you could work that in, you should. But I, I guess the thing that sort of became apparent to me and was a little bit troubling was sort of you know when she was. Our, uh, the stand in for our villain in season one, you know. There was a sort of edge to her, and then in season two, it's a lot about. It's kind of felt a little bit like Carrie from Sex in the City. Like it's all about her relationships, and, and I'm not. I didn't make that up. I read that somewhere, folks. Believe me, I'm not that smart. But when
0: <laughs> I, I was mostly just
1: like you watch Sex and well, the City. actually
2: every season, yes. Um, all are you that. gonna watch?
1: Oh. And just like that, when it comes out, I have mm, questions.
2: I don't know. Um, but um, but yeah, it was like it, it was like we were suddenly she was a bit sort of like a teenager with you know with some of the those early relationships. She was going through and it it felt a little like a step down in sort of just power and confidence for her a little bit and then when it ended up with sam i wasn't quite sure again where that was going but that that i was a little surprised by the, the by the course of that character's development in season two um in a lot of ways i enjoyed the season one version better even when she was being a bit evil because she had her reasons <laughs>
1: oh i i think my favorite episode was the funeral for her. um, not, And not just because Harriet Walter suddenly showed up as her mom. Um, can we just, can we shout out to Harriet Walter appearing as like everybody's mother figure for like the past two years? I love this. This is, this is a thing that needs to continue. Um, but I, I do take your point that this is sort of putting her in a, in a very feminine box by saying that basically her only real, Arcs are with a relationship instead of giving her something to do that isn't a relationship.
0: But I, I liked the episode where she was taking care of Nora. Yeah, I, I thought that I love Nora and would like her to live on the show.
1: (sighs) Um, Good point. But I,
0: I, I think and sassy too. I guess. In fact,
1: I I think that we sort of got to the point where now that she has divorced, we went through the relationship thing, and now that she sort of put Sam to the side and she's ready to go, like work on herself. I think that we're at, I, I, I think this is sort of an arc that's leading away from it being just about her relationships. That being said, I, never I
0: know what I never know what it means when people say they're working on themselves.
2: <laughs> Several people said it in the show, I feel like. It was I, I have never
1: worked on myself except to like go to a shrink so like you know i mean dr sharon was around um, but sharon, dr sharon is now gone so i don't know how people work on themselves without shrinks but anyway um, um i read that apparently dr sharon will be returning oh good i'm so happy good about news. that um because she is one of my favorite characters this season actually um which i think we should talk about next but um the thing is about rebecca that I would like to see her have an arc that isn't about relationships next season. And at the same time, I would like that arc to lead her in the end to get back together with Sam, who has at that point left for another team so that we don't have any uncomfortable, like power dynamic issues.
2: As long as he doesn't end up on West Ham, I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Cause I couldn't handle that.
0: I don't think he, he and Rupert would get along. Um, 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 what was I gonna say? I think a lot of the sort of discoursey resistance to Sam and Rebecca though is because a lot of people want Rebecca with Ted.
1: And I think that's a really good way to lead us to the fact that we have not actually talked about Ted Lasso yet and we are thirty something minutes into this podcast. I know.
0: Greg and I were talking about I told Greg we were this was the topic that we were going to discuss for this. And he wanted us to talk about the fact that there's not really a quote unquote like Ted episode. No, there really
1: isn't. And to your point earlier about how this has become an ensemble piece here we have just talked like and talked and talked for like almost 40 minutes about this show. And we haven't talked about Ted Lasso yet because it becomes such an ensemble piece. Yeah, and it's not like Ted didn't have a major story arc. Right? Like, he literally, like, we we finally got an explanation for the panic attacks. We got, like, a whole backstory. Like, again, the funeral episode. Did
0: anybody else feel punched in the gut? I love the episode, The Diamond Dogs, as we talked about before. And, like, I don't know if any of you guys have watched that uh, dart scene from that episode since the revelation of... Uh, Ted's father's suicide and it's just really a it's a gut punch and B it's like so perfect because they just he Ted says that you know he played darts with his dad all the way up until he like turned 16 and you just assume that that means he like got a summer job or something like th- and it that's not what happened
2: yeah th- my, my my I did not put that together so my mind is exploding a little bit right now so th- <laughs> thanks <laughs> for that
0: I know it's really like it's a lie yeah, yeah.
1: I, uh, I, I mean, how did you feel about that reveal, Nick?
2: Um, I mean, the thing I, I began to wonder. It, it, Greg's exactly right. Like Ted Lasso was was almost like a metaphor this season. He was almost like a sounding board for all the other characters. And 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 the only thing you really get about Ted is this sort of gnawing question of does his sort of niceness and his shtick actually piss people off in the end? And does it like turn people off? And then we get the Uber example of that with Nate, right? We get his nemesis. I know,
1: which
0: really like, I think might actually make me angry because of that line Ted says about after what happened to his father, that he, you know, vowed to himself that he wasn't going to let anybody like come into his life and like leave it hurting, you know, or I'm, I'm destroying that with a paraphrase, but it's something, it's a beautiful quote about, like acknowledging that people have, you know, what's that saying about everyone you meet fighting, fighting a battle you'll never see. Like, it's just really like profound.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was, it, I, I don't know. It was, it was, I, I guess I wonder. So we haven't talked about the, one of the interesting things that happened since our last discussion was the backlash, right? So there was all over the discourse.
0: People just hate anything that is like people, Right. The internet is a bad place is what I'm saying.
2: You could literally just like Google Ted Lasso backlash and get 20 articles. And most of them, like you
0: can set your watch. By you this can. And most of
2: them were just like, you can't be so nice. It's baloney. No one's that nice. It's too syrupy, etc. And so the writers, like, were they nodding to that? I don't know what the chronology of when they wrote that. Did they anticipate that and sort of pull Ted out of like the center and his niceness sort of become this thing that actually, um, I would it,
1: not be surprised if they did because it feels like something that this show would kind of do.
2: Right, right, yeah. So that just—if that's the case—that sort of explains why we get the Ted we get in this in this season, you know, with the addition of like I think a really useful mental health sort of you know subplot or major plot.
0: It does you feel know. so prescient that we're talking about that, the, or it feels like this show, I guess, was so prescient because it was definitely like filmed and stuff before everything happened with Simone Biles right. at the Olympics and. um Na- uh, Naomi uh, Osaka tennis Osaka. player yeah. thank you at uh, at Roland Garros and just sort of like all these things about sports and mental health and the way we expect people in the spotlight in that arena to just like perform for us
1: and I, I I, think, you know, one of the things that instead of getting a lot of that Ted Lasso stuff, which we did, but it always seemed to like like the whole story about that he tells Dr. Sharon is interwoven with um, Rebecca talking about her father. Like he never actually has stuff alone in that way. I feel like almost Jamie, in a way, kind of took that space that might have gone to Ted otherwise. Um, and, and again, I don't know if that's just because we keep bringing people back. And we don't want to let them go, but we add people in. Um, but I, it, it definitely, it, I, I definitely have been, I, I went after the, after the season, I sort of went back and I was like, where would, uh, uh, where would Ted's stuff had fit if it wasn't like always sort of side card with somebody else? And I don't, I couldn't find a place other than maybe where Jamie's arc with his dad was.
0: Hmm. Um I would also wonder, I think, if part of the reason that season two feels a little all over the place
1: if it's because Ted feels
0: a little
2: all hmm. over the place. That makes sense.
1: I, I would ab I, I I think that's not a bad way of thinking of it. Um I am curious um how Ted is going to go into season three because there's a level where like he still hasn't truly like had the breakthrough that he needs to in a way and having Nate leave like this is going to sort of I I almost feel like next season might see Ted sort of spiral and be like angry in a way that 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 I don't think people are quite prepared for.
0: Hmm.
2: That's a distinct possibility. I think that's a good yeah.
1: point,
0: too, because I really, I mean, not that Ted Lasso is a better person than <laughs> I am, but also like I just like the during his sort of big scene with Nate where he not only just stands there and takes it. He actually, like, apologizes in the middle of it for not, like, giving Nate the attention he deserved. Like, he doesn't say that the reason your picture's not in my office is because it's at home next to my son's photo. Like, he doesn't hit back. Even though even though you kind of want him to. You,
2: you do. And, and Beard tries to take a few shots for him to, like... But, but, but you know, uh, Ted cannot do it. He can't do it for himself. And it, it actually reminded me of something... That I've seen in other in other shows, and um, actually, weirdly enough, happened in The Simpsons and the and in The Office, where where in The Office, The American Office, where you know Jim is sort of everyone loves Jim, he's so funny, he's so happy. But when um, Idris Elba becomes his boss, he suddenly does not <laughs> like his shtick. He's the and, and nothing he can do can in, in sort of like turn Idris Elba around. He just thinks he's like a ridiculous fool. And I wonder, you know, that's sort of what happened with Nate. Like Ted's stick finally stopped working. And I don't know if he can like handle that because everyone else in the end, he turns them around and they all sort of are charmed by him. But, you know, yeah, I don't know how he's going to sort of handle this. If he doesn't get some sort of closure with Nate, I, I fear what we're going to see from, from Ted. It, it could be really explosive, you know, and that that'll be interesting to see how fans would react to that.
1: Um, Speaking of which, um. I, do we want to talk about football first before we talk about season three? Yeah, let's
0: talk about Nate. Football Corner. You're, Nate, your name is Nick. Ha!
2: Yes, I'm Nate. Um, or call me Jose. I'm Jose Mourinho. My hair is very gray. Um, football Corner, go. Right. Um, it was, well, we talked a bit about before about how like they just sort of abandoned the football thing and that annoyed a lot of football fans, even though we don't expect much of it.
1: But the new mascot. The new
2: mascot, Um, very cute. You know, they had... He got a helmet. (laughs) That was was pretty good. (laughs) Admittedly, that was pretty good. I mean, one of the sort of the... So they start with like 10 ties and sort of doing the math. Like, I can just tell you that like if you start a season that way, the chance that you're going to get promoted is very low. So there's that, right? That's There's that issue. Then there's the issue of... Um, When they need a tie with Brentford at the end to get promoted through second place, what they don't tell you is that the third through the sixth place teams get a chance of promotion through a playoff. So even if Richmond had lost, they would have had a second opportunity to get promoted. But that would have been too hard to explain. So they didn't bother with that. Um,
0: Soccer is truly a ridiculous sport. I'm sorry. Football is truly a ridiculous sport.
2: It's kind of weird. I I do also have to say on the whole issue of West Ham, West Ham is, um, ironically enough, the team of the East End. West Ham is...
1: It is. It's right around the corner from the Doctor Who shop. I find it really interesting that they're actually using a real team
2: here. Well, they did sign in the mid before the season ended. They signed a huge promotional deal with the Premier League, where they can literally use all of the logos, all of the teams, all everything. Premier League will be in season three. So, more money. Did you see?
0: Did you see the tweet? Um, Nick Mohammed tweeted that like the real West Ham had like sent him a package with like his own kit i did it. see
2: that i did see <laughs> that yeah i oh, loved it so but
0: great. google it right now Annie. i had
1: not so seen cute. that yeah the
2: money truck from the premier league has been backed up to apple plus studios
1: <laughs> i i yeah. do i do love that and you know honestly like i love the fact that we were actually at wembley stadium this year um i i i i, I thought that like i i i I love when we have like the real stuff cross with the, with the fantasy stuff and the fiction. How did
0: you feel about the scene where it's in the beard episode where the three dudes, the three regulars at the local, like they go to Nelson road and like some weird old man, like lets them in through the tunnels. And
2: (laughs) I don't, not, not very likely a cute scene, but in a, in a throwaway episode, but yeah, I, I don't know. That was weird. The, The other thing I do have also a sort of deep, soccer conspiracy theory about coach Nate, when he decides to use this false nine thing. I don't know if you remember that whole subplot.
0: Is that a real play? It is a
2: real play. It for for sure is real. But what I can tell you is that it's only used by the absolute most elite skilled teams in the world. So we're talking Barcelona, the Spanish national team, because it's super hard. You have to have the best players in the, it is the most complicated. And so my theory is that with a team like AFC Richmond, was Nate trying to submarine them by forcing them to play the false nine? Oh,
0: maybe. He did. Re- I was really actually um, put off by how openly he was rooting for them to lose in right, the last
2: right. game. It, and, uh, that's, like, that's the thing. Like a false nine is like, it, it takes teams years and they have to have the right players and the right training. And you can't, you can't pull that off in the last game, especially not a team that's trying to like fight for promotion. So... Yeah, it's either it was a conspiracy or just a dumb idea from a soccer perspective to make that a plot line. Um, But, yeah, I think getting back to West Ham, West Ham is 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 not an evil team. West Ham is an underdog team. They've been a mid table to lower table team for 100 years. They're in the East end. they're working class. Um, they haven't had much success at all. And in fact, one of their signature moves is they they blow bubbles. And they have this yeah. song that they sing and they blow bubbles in the in the stands and it's it's a big deal. And Clearly
1: I'm, I need to go to a West Ham game.
2: Yeah, I just I was kinda like, if you're gonna pick a villain from the Premier League, you don't go for West Ham.
1: I have to ask, do they
0: Like, okay, sometimes in college basketball, like, you'll have sort of, like, set cheers that you do that people, like, sort of orchestrate beforehand, like, Duke is infamous for this. And I just need to know, like, they all seem to know exactly what to cheer at exactly the same moment, and it's literally everyone in the stadium or the bar that suddenly starts doing the we're going up cheer or whatever, and I'm like... Is that just like a known quantity that I don't know because I'm American?
2: 100% all those okay. those fans okay. are very organized. They 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 have songs that they have sung for hundreds of years and then they develop new ones like, you know, at, at one point they start singing Um, in the R- Richmond fans. This is very common. They start singing San- stamo with Sonia to the Seven Nation Army song, right? That happens I a lot. I know. Song. I know.
0: I hate that I know. song. But that,
2: that sort of I'm thing so happens I'm so tired a lot. of that song. There's a traditional songs and then they'll take tunes that you know and put players names into them. And yes. And then there's cheers that sort of like rank on the teams that they dislike. And yeah, all the fans are in the know. I don't know them all as an American fan. I'd be super intimidated in a, in a British ground because I might know a few, but I'd be like not knowing several because you have to be. You have to be there. You have to understand the whole culture. But it's definitely a thing.
0: All right, season three. What do we think? Two, oh, two. Actually, two prong question because I saw somebody uh, with a take on this yesterday, and that is, I have always heard that Ted Lasso is meant to be a three season show. Yes, and that is has been the plan, mm-hmm. and that's what's going to happen. Although no official word has has come. They down only about that, okay. Obviously. Here, here's the
1: thing. Apple TV Plus only signed them for season three. Does
0: the money truck back up again next year, though?
1: Um, there has already been some noises, not from not from Jason, not from n- not from like the people who are sort of like the 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 who make the show who make the show, but um the uh the the producer bill lawrence has said that he is open to doing more now i that i don't know if that means that this is coming from the
0: 17 articles i've read in the past week about how squid game season <laughs> 2 is going to happen because the first was so successful and i don't trust that the success of ted lasso is not going to make them like push for going beyond where maybe they have like story ideas
1: um for. So far, all of the other writers who have worked with this and developed this, Joe Kelly, Brendan Hunt, etc have all said, you know, three seasons. That's it. It, it. We have an arc. We came in with an arc. We want to do this. And that's the end of it. The only person who has said otherwise is Bill Lawrence. Um, okay. And it, he hasn't said we'll do it. He, what he said is we're open to it. Um,
0: okay. So, okay. That's practically a no. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. Cool. Season three, then. If we're going to assume... Let's let's frame this question as we s- assume season three is the final season. What do we want?
1: Uh, Roy, Kent, and Keeley get married. I, I want the wedding. I want the dress. I want the whole nine yards.
2: Yeah, also... I just think that the most and I'm not saying this is what I want, but I think this has been telegraphed by Nick Muhammad himself, like all over Twitter. We just talked about like clearly there's going to be a redemption story for Nate. He is not going to go down into the depths of hell. And like
0: this doesn't doesn't feel like a show that would do that is the thing.
2: It can't. It can't. He'll it'll it'll, that that will happen for sure. There's some way that's going to happen. I do think, though, that part of me wants extra seasons because the idea that they would You know, go down season one, come back up to the Premier League season two, and then win it in the in the third season. That is just too ridiculous. I feel like the show
0: can't end. The show can't end until they win. Yeah, and I just don't see how it can
2: in this year. It would be like unprecedented for something like that to happen. But anyway, it's a it's a TV show. It's not actual soccer, Nick. Remember that. (laughs) I have to like knock myself in the head once in a while. I
1: mean, the Dylan Panthers won state. (laughs) Spoiler alert. I, I, I would like okay other things I'd like to see in season three um Hannah Waddingham to sing again um I, I think that's a very yeah. safe prediction um
2: it's on the bingo I, card I, for sure I,
1: I I would I would like Jamie Tart to become a father figure to some of the other Richmond team members in the way that Roy f- Kent is a, a father figure now to him um I. I I, I actually would like more Jamie. I love Jamie in a lot of ways, even though I don't want him to get back with Keely at all, ever. I I want him to go find his own.
0: Do you know, I read... I wish I could remember who said this. Shout out to whoever I follow on Twitter, who is very smart. But (laughs) they said that Jamie... I was, like, so furious when Jamie decided to make, like, Rebecca's dad's funeral all about him by telling Keely he was still in love with her. I was like, that's totally for you, expletive. That's not for her. Um... But somebody reminded me that um, uh, in Four Weddings and a Funeral, the Fiona character, is her name Fiona? It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Chris and Scott Thomas has to basically tell Hugh Grant that she was in love with him. And it's not because she expected him to do anything about it. She had to do it for her. So that's how I've decided to read that scene. And I've decided to read that as sort of like the beginning of Jamie's like growth into a good person. Like he lets Danny take the shot and heal his wounds in that big game moment. Like I'm hoping that that is just a a real step forward for him.
1: More Danny Rojas. <laughs> I love him so much. I love Danny yes.
2: Rojas. It is screaming for it. We didn't get, I mean, we, I thought we'd get more when we got the, uh, when we got that sort of, when he killed the dog, I thought we'd get more Danny, but we didn't. We got like half an episode. That was it.
0: Football is life. Football is death. The dog has a helmet now. It's fine. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> Which dog ended up winning? Was it like the names they had for the dogs? Like Macy oh Greyhound, gosh. I think was one of them, and I forget.
0: Tina Feyhound, <laughs> I think was another one. I
1: don't know, but I love the little helmet. <laughs> um. So, Nick, what would you like to see in season three?
2: What would I like to see? Oh, you know, I haven't given this a ton of thought. Um. I would, I don't know. Like I said, I certainly don't want to see them win the Premier League. I think that would be absolutely ridiculous. Um, I do want to see... I think I'm just really yearning for I want to see more of Ted and I want to see like how he I want to see that character develop and I want to see him actually get some of his own happiness because I feel like he's there's nothing like no, he didn't seem super excited when they got promoted, to be honest, you know, like people were jumping around and that. So I'd like to see Ted get some. He deserves some happiness. He's spread around enough.
1: Does Ted go home?
2: Ooh. Ooh. I, I don't see how it could work unless it's for a visit.
0: I don't think he goes home until... The, I
1: think he can't go home until they win. But no, like if season three is the end, does Ted go home?
0: I don't know I hadn't I actually hadn't thought about
1: that oh no that's the big thing you, as you said in fact it, it, that what what Nick was saying was reminded me of that that he didn't seem all that excited they were promoted he's not excited because he hasn't seen his son because he hasn't the, the, they're winning he's not gonna he he can't go home he has to stay
2: right and there's a big there's a big riff in that what getting back to the we talked about the Christmas episode having nothing to do with anything if it had anything to do with anything it was about creating another family when you're away from home right and so of like there's your actual family and there's the family that you create out of friends and people around and I guess the question is would Ted is Ted going to choose one over the other I mean he clearly has a family in, in the UK and and is that going to is that enough to sort of be away from his son or not you know
1: it, is found family over real family um I mean I, I know which I pick but you know I <laughs> I I don't know that te- <laughs> same, same. I, I don't know if Ted Latho has the same belief system that, that, that Lacey and I do
2: Right. Well, you know, does he bring his son over and make his home in in England? You know, we don't we don't see her hear much from the wife. We have no idea what kind of person she is. You know,
0: I know, but she still so clearly gets him. Like the text message that was an, That was one of
2: the most amazing text message exchanges I've seen in a long time. And we often complain as olds um, that it's hard for us to read text on TV. Uh, that has been said in my house.
0: <laughs> You're not wrong. But that
2: one I didn't mind reading at all because it was very it was very well done. It was very felt very real and not sort of as canned as those things usually are.
0: Uh, my, my picks are also, I'm siding with Annie on the Roy and Keeley wedding because they deserve it and I love them. Uh, I would also would not mind seeing more of the Higginses because their relationship has become a real, like, I think, North Star for this show in a lot of ways. And who would have expected that in the first season?
1: Um, Do we think that instead of winning the Premier League, the end of season three is that they just beat West Ham?
2: Hmm. I mean, it could be. It depends on how they sort of, how they build up West Ham. Are they actually a good team? Are they actually <laughs> sort of a villainous team? Because beating West Ham is, I mean, no no offense, West Ham fans don't get on me, but it's it's something that a lot of teams have traditionally been able to do. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, so who knows? We'll see.
0: Whew. I feel like we could keep going on this for like...
1: Except we've gone for like an
2: hour. I know.
0: I know, but we are well over our usual time just
2: like the season itself
0: yes just like the season finale we are an extended episode um sorry to mark our sound editor in advance um that's ted lasso clearly it is a show that has inspired a lot of discussion and joy and rage and feelings and i don't know i think more tv like that is always good so i will say thank you to my boss for joining us this week
2: Thank you. It was so much fun.
0: Nick, um, who literally clearly has a lot to teach me about soccer still, including to stop calling it soccer. But uh, all right. You're the special guest this week, Nick. Tell people where they can read more of your football based knowledge.
2: Oh, okay. Well, a little bit of football, a lot of music at Nick Scalera on Twitter. Um, I have a on Ted Lasso on Twitter. If I've talked about any show, it's been that one. So, yeah, maybe if you want more of this, inane banter then join me there
0: huzzah um i follow him and not just because he does my performance reviews um (laughs) annie what's up where are you at online
1: uh you can find me at annie bundle on twitter you can find me at miss annie bundle on facebook you can find pictures of my extraordinarily fuzzy cats at annie bundle on instagram I am a staff writer at Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions. I also freelance around the web, so if you want to know what I wrote this week, you should just go to my Twitter and follow me because I retweet all of my bylines. Woohoo. And I am LacyMB M B on Twitter, that is L-A-C-Y-M-B.
0: And like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web, but I always tweet my bylines, so come and check out the many pieces I have written on this season of Dead Lasso in a variety of places. Uh, The site and the pod are on social media if you don't want any of that crap. Uh, At Televisions blog, all one word on Facebook and Tele underscore Visions on Twitter. We are a product of WETA and if you like what we do, you can visit us at televisions.org, read some recaps, click on the donate button up top, help us keep being a successful going concern and support public media at the same time. You may also get access to PBS Passport, which has plenty of non-Ted Lasso-based programming for you to dive into, including new seasons of, whew, there's a lot of content this fall, Grantchester, Baptiste, and Call the Midwife. Uh, Other than that, oh, I don't know, you guys. I made a COVID booster appointment. You guys should do that as well. Uh, Wear masks if you are in large crowds or basically I think the CDC recommends just indoors, be nice to each other encourage your vaccination hesitant friends and family to sign up for their shot and I don't know, we're rowing the boat together, let's do it otherwise, enjoy fall get a pumpkin spice latte if that's your thing, it's not mine Um, enjoy the weather, go to the Ren Fair. that's what I'm gonna do Um, and watch some good TV there's a lot coming in the next few weeks so buckle up We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.